What's good, everybody? This episode of the podcast is sponsored by DistroKid. They are the go-to for digital music distribution and the easiest way for musicians to get your music onto Spotify, iTunes, Amazon, TikTok, YouTube, and more. They offer unlimited uploads, and artists keep 100% of their earnings in stores 10 to 20 times faster than any other distributor. Fastest payouts. They help out with automatic splits, cover song clearance, and all kinds of other amazing tools and templates to help you get the most visibility for your releases. I dig this company and really appreciate their business model that offers more features than any other distributor at the most affordable price possible for solo musicians, bands, studio artists, DJs, and any other creators that are producing music in their home. And they also offer label services as well. They're distributing over a third of the world's digital music at this point. And the best part about DistroKid sponsoring the podcast is that they are offering Dan Cable Presents listeners 30% off your first year of membership, making their already affordable services even cheaper. Check out the link in the episode notes. I will also put it in my Instagram bio in the link tree. Click that link and it will give you 30% off your first year of service. Super stoked to have DistroKid sponsoring the podcast and can't thank them enough for their support of this thing. This episode of the podcast is also sponsored by Produce Row Cafe here in Portland, Oregon. This has become one of my favorite local hangs because they have free music every Wednesday night from 6 to 8 p.m. and Sunday afternoons 1 p.m. to 3 p.m. They are located in inner southeast Portland and not only do they offer free music on their their large patio setup, but they've also got a killer brunch menu from 11 a.m. to 2 p.m. on Saturdays and Sundays. The French toast and the breakfast sandwich are lights out. And I can't really do much alcohol personally, but I love their Virgin Bloody Marys. And they've got some other mocktails for folks like me as well, as well as the, the real deal cocktails, mimosa flights and all the goods. So come on out for brunch or come out in the evening for the new warm weather cocktail menu featuring lots of fresh fruits and vegetables, tons of outdoor patio space and good eats. Big thanks to Produce Row Cafe for sponsoring this episode of the podcast. Let's do it. What is good, everybody? Welcome to another volume of I Dig Records, a Dan Cable Presents podcast. Thank you for tuning in to the program once again. If this is your first time listening, thanks for checking out the show. You can find fresh episodes of this I Dig Records series coming at you every other Wednesday where my cousin and I do the deep dive on a record that one of us has chosen and every friday you can find my regular dan cable presents podcast which is usually myself in conversation with an artist featuring music of all genres so if you are new to the programming here that's what is shaking and i would encourage you to go back and listen to some previous episodes of either this series or or the regular 
podcast if you dig what you hear and appreciate the hell out of all the folks that have already taken the time to write review you know do the subscribe thing on itunes that's really helpful in propelling this thing into the tops of those itunes charts which will give it more visibility on the national and international level just a great way to help strangers find the podcast in a free way to contribute to the sustainability of this thing if you're not listening on itunes you can find the podcast on all other major podcast platforms including spotify and i've also been releasing some monthly playlists at the first of every month on spotify as well so i'll put the links for those in the episode notes that august 1st one is there now and i'll also put the links for the dan cable presents mugs and t-shirts there as well we're going to slide right into this thing this week. We're going to keep it nice and tight up top and get right into this chat about the incredible Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers and maybe their most recognizable record in the catalog, Damn the Torpedoes. I will put the link in the episode notes as well for the classic albums documentary that Rob and I talk about, which I would highly encourage you to check out if you have not. And also the Tom Petty running down a dream documentary has been something that's been talked about on this series numerous times. One of my favorite rockumentaries of all time for sure. So definitely check that out if you are a, a Petty fan or a general music fan. It's just a really cool story. And I know it sounds daunting because it's three hours, but it will fly by and there's really dope concert footage one of my favorite stories ron blair the bass player uh they're traveling in europe and he and the the band has a bunch of hash on them and he ends up uh eating it before they go through customs so they don't get in trouble and they are heading to europe to do these tv appearances and the the first one man he just looks like he is in space land but he's still he's still crushing it so great doc great doc running down a dream I want to hit you with some produce road dates if you are a portland oregon local or you're coming through the city sometime soon free music there every wednesday night 6 p.m to 8 p.m and every sunday 1 p.m to 3 p.m this sunday got seattle-based singer-songwriter leah t coming down who i actually met through my cousin so it'll be great to have leah down here playing some tunes and then august 11th jeff chilton and his trio will be back there. The band leader for JC Proof, former podcast, former guest of the podcast. And August 15th, more former guests of the show. Karen Ann, who's just got an incredible voice, great songwriter, is going to be there with uh, with my bud, Tyler Robeson. I think it'll be Tyler's first set since the the pandemic hit. So excited to see them. And August 18th, another former guest of the podcast, Mike Moe, will be at Produce Row doing a DJ set. And uh, much more to come. So check out the Produce Row calendar. I'll put the, the link in the episode notes so you can keep up with that, as well as their Instagram to, uh, to know who is playing there every Wednesday and Sunday. And with that, appreciate you all, as always. This is volume 23 of I Dig Records, my chat with my cousin Bobby.
about the 1979 release from Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers, Dan the Torpedoes. I just want everybody to know that I dig records. It's on? I dig records, sure. bro. The episode is on? I don't hear shit. What don't you hear? I dig records, bro. You don't hear anything. Nope. I see. Yeah. I meant to plug you in here. Check. There you go. Man, you're messing it up and you haven't even smoked weed yet. The episode is on now? I don't know. For you? Yeah, yeah, I can hear in it In your now. headphones? Yeah, in my headphones. Okay, well, welcome to volume 23 of I Dig Records, the Michael Jordan episode of the uh, the series. And the LeBron James. Just kidding. The I mean, Michael yes, Jordan no, you know. episode of yeah. the series. I just read that if you eat a cup of beans every day, that you will add four years of life expectancy to your life. And which... Uh, which media outlet are you taking this from? Didn't even think about it. Didn't, didn't even, even think about it. Didn't even check. Just got me on the clickbait. Or if it's a ploy just to get you to eat more beans. It might be. The, I should have looked. It was probably uh, the bean, American Bean Company, the ABC. Absolutely. Speaking of ABC, Dan Torpedoes was supposed to be put out by, distributed by ABC Records. MCA. Uh, ABC. And then MCA bought ABC. Mm, and yes. then they, then MCA was like, fuck you guys. We're going to take all of the shit because uh, whatever their label was called, they were just like, we bought the, the distributor. So I guess that means we get all the label shit too. And uh, Tom Petty was like, no, I didn't sign a fucking contract with MCA. And uh, it's a big old thing. They made big moves and then filed for bankruptcy. Yeah. Which kind of allowed the band to get out. But it was still it. it still has MCA Records name on it, which is I'm confused by. I think that's just the deal it. that that Backstreet ended up brokering for them, so that Word. MCA could maintain some sort of look on it and not just get right. kind of fucked on them making the move to go bankrupt right. with bankruptcy. You know, as as their option out of the record deal that was kind of the probably that's sort of a, some of the compromise it's a cool uh, cool solution you know but we are talking about dan the torpedoes from tom petty and the heartbreakers one of the mm-hmm. one of the goats of the uh the musical sphere one of my favorites of, of the all musical time. sphere yeah no i mean i think that also r.i.p bummer Another r.i.p tom petty I saw this dude about a year before he passed on tour for the first time. I'm so glad I got to uh, got to see that in action. It was a show I always wanted to see, and the band and him were a killing. Like it did not matter that it was you know this dude is well into his 60s, I believe. Dur- 68 probably. I, saw. I think he died. He was 69. So, um, just yeah, just the whole band is killing, and for the most part, it's. Uh, a lot of original members, you know, Mike Campbell and Ben Mont still played with him towards the end there. And Steve Winwood opened that show and played some jams with them that night, which was really cool because my dad hit me to traffic from a pretty young, yeah, I've never young age and Winwood. some of the Steve Winwood stuff. So, yeah, shout out to my boss, my ex-boss, Holly. She took me along as her plus one to... Uh, to Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers here at the Moda Center here in Portland, Oregon. And uh, that was my one time. As far as uh, stadiums or arenas go, it's not a bad place to see a show. 
No, I've seen some good stadium shows there. I saw um, Bon Iver there. And it was it was very good. The sound wasn't bad at all. Uh, but yeah, I've just always loved Tom Petty and just like his whole attitude and and vibe. He just seems like one of the the coolest dudes to ever do the thing. His whole aesthetic and just fell in love with that running down a dream documentary and learning how him and the band just kind of drove out from Gainesville, Florida in in search of kind of a record deal and just bringing their, their tape and shit. Um, Yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's cool because it's a classic story of like a band that like, like it's the dream that everybody wants to live, you know, like band of people from your childhood like some of your best friends you know and uh you go out and you just bet on yourself and you wind up being correct yeah you know because a lot of these bands that blew up too were like bands that were assembled you know what i mean it's like oh this is i'm a songwriter and i need to find a drummer so i moved to la and find a drummer or whatever and it's like no these are all like kids from gainesville that played and you know, basements and garages together and wrote songs. And yeah, that's, the, that's the dream. Cruised out to L.A. and just, you know, they're the classic story of Tom going into a phone booth and finding this list of all the record labels, phone numbers and addresses and whatnot, and then just basically showing up at doors, dropping off demos and just being, Which being those people. how you could do it, man. You could do that back in the day. It's pretty crazy. I feel like you actually can do it a little more than people know nowadays still. Um, but nowhere near like that. I mean, you know. Yeah. So this uh, Damn the Torpedoes is the third record. Third record. We entered with Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers self-titled. Probably biggest song on that was American Girl, wouldn't you say? Absolutely. And then that second record, I do not know one bit. When was that first record? 1975? Yeah, 1976. You have the self-titled album. You got Breakdown. You got American Girl, as you were saying, the big big jam on that one. And then You're Gonna Get It is the follow-up to that. And I would say Listen to Her Heart, this song. Oh yeah, I know this one, yeah. Is this the one with the cocaine line? Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. But it's it's crazy because they have a couple couple hits on this song. You got I need to know as well. This record sounds pretty great listening back right now. And they were in search of something even bigger and better. Yeah, the production quality they wanted to be different. 
they met up with uh, Jimmy Iovine. Jimmy Iovine, who had done Born to Run. He did a Patti Smith record. He did... Uh, Heavily tied with Springsteen. Yeah, he did a couple Springsteen records. So the thing that I guess drew them in about Jimmy was uh, just the drum sound. Right. And they mistakenly thought that Jimmy also was an engineer. So they thought he was going to be setting up the mics and, you know, pushing record. And it's like, no, sir, I have my guy Shelly. And Shelly came in. Working in tandem. And Shelly saw the drums that, uh, drummer's name. Uh, Stan Lynch. Stan Lynch. So funny, that saw- that part. Rob and I just watched the the classic albums on Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers, Damn the Torpedoes. You can check it out on Amazon. And um, we had both listened to the record before, but just a, a fun way to get some some insight before we had this conversation. But that that part in the dock when, when Stan is just talking about the drum sounds that he heard in previous Jimmy Iovine productions and saying that... It was just the the best drum sound that he had ever heard. And it had to, like, they had to have that. But mm-hmm. then also Shelly taking Stan and saying, hey. We're buying all new the, shit. Yeah, one of the reasons your shit doesn't sound good is because your shit, your shit doesn't sound yeah, good. Yeah, like, your yeah. drums are part of the issue. We can't make your, uh, what's he say, your your tiny little snare. <laughs> can't Can't make it sound big, you know. So so they went out, bought a whole bunch of new drums, and I mean they said that they would work on g- just getting a drum sound for like three days, right, right? Which is insane. That must be the most like arduous process, man. I get frustrated when we start spending more than like, like if you spend more than two hours finding a drum sound, I'm like checking out. Right. It's have you for three it, days? It's almost man. like that. That thing though is you know you're you're finding the you're spending all of this time to get the drum sound and maybe you just have to kind of do that separately. And then finally when it's dialed in, you're just like, okay, I'm good with this. And then tomorrow we'll start. Yeah. You don't recording. Necess- yeah. You know? if, especially on the schedule that they were on, which I assume had some, some decent money behind and this and that, like, you know, you, you're not strapped day, day to day in the studio. So it's like, but I mean, yeah, no, they're totally, I mean, that's how you should do it. You really should spend that much, not that much maybe, but you should spend considerable time because that's the sound, that's the foundation you're going to work with. You know what I mean? It's like, it's like if you're a chef and like, this is like the base spice mix you're going to work with, you might want to, you know, refine that before you commit to it. Right, right. Um, but damn, three days of just switching out mics and moving them around and trying to and tuning things trying to get the sound exactly how you want it just sounds like i mean and you know they all said it's the hardest record they ever worked on they said it was more work than anything else they'd ever done yeah it seemed like to, Jimmy, this, to that day which was probably in the early to mid 2000s that this came out that yeah we watched so jimmy uh really really pushed them um yeah let's let's hear some of those drums this is refugee First song on the record, iconic Tom Petty song. I mean, I think you can 
clearly hear the uh, the the difference between the previous record, like even in the hi hat, and how it's mixed in yeah. with the uh, the kick shaker. Don't forget the shaker, man. Yeah, just getting to hear what the drum sounded like on its own without mm-hmm. the shaker and then mm-hmm. them putting the shaker yeah. in the mix. I also love how they hit that chorus only for one time the first time. I don't know if they do it again once or twice, but... Yeah. The drums are huge here. They are. And this is the where it goes into the solo where Ben Mont was talking about how him and Mike Campbell kind of stabbed at each other, trading off. Yeah, they go back and forth. Starts with the organ. One, two, three, four, guitar. This is definitely, you know, one of the tracks that's on my entry to Tom Petty, which is definitely like Full Moon Fever or a Greatest Hits album, and most like preferently the the Greatest Hits stuff before yeah. I started getting into records. And that's how I got yeah, it. This is too. just like one that you always hear. Like you, I don't know. That's uh, it's one it's one that doesn't get old for me though. The thing I appreciate about it too is, um, I think Shelly mentions it. The engineer says uh, people don't realize how this record has a lot of like interesting choices as far as the uh structure of the songs go it's it still reads like a pop record Mm -hmm. you know it plays like that but if you actually like analyze the stuff and you like have to learn how to play one of these tunes it's like oh first chorus one time second chorus we're gonna double it then we're gonna go to a solo but it's not just gonna be one person you guys are gonna trade fours and it's like you know the verse is split into two and none of those are like super unique 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 but um things like that are occurring throughout the entirety of the record, you know, um, just interesting compositional choices, which like just makes it so much more interesting to listen to. You know what I mean? Yeah, definitely, man. And here comes my girl is the second, the second track on the record. They said this is the one that they would play to all the, uh, the people when they would come in. Yeah. Right. They were super, super stoked about this one. It was it was interesting listening to Petty talk about how he came upon this vocal approach. He just couldn't really find anything else to do over it. Yeah. So then he just sort of started talking. And in the second half, he said he wanted to go more of like an R&B rap. You know, sometimes I don't know why, but this old town just seems so hopeless. Wow, that riff, dude. That. I ain't really sure, but it seems I remember the good times with just a little bit more in focus. 
So now he goes to the R&B sort of vibe as he called it. Noodling by Mike Campbell, even in the back, just that he's got that that Florida Tallahassee yeah. or the Gainesville twang yeah. to it. It was interesting listening to Jimmy Iovine. We'll talk about it with like Louisiana Rain, but just how no one else could have uh, brought that sound, you know, and the the sound of this like Southern rock was maybe kind of being lost around this time. Yeah, not too many people were playing into that, and that was just you know. I like part of their roots whatever tune they were talking about and petty was like you can only play that if you're from the south yeah yeah and i know you you were talking yesterday that you you love the energy he brings and the attitude in those, in the verses. those verses but but some maybe uh don't absolutely love how sparkly it gets in the chorus. Yeah, it just gets a little too like sweet. It's just a little too just like Disney, you know. But it's not like because this is from before that, so it's like you know, it's hard to take it so out of context. But that's one part of this record that doesn't hasn't aged super well for me. Is just like the really sweet and sort of predictable chord changes, you know? But like this right here, this is like the coolest shit. I think um, I just kind of appreciate the juxtaposition between the two, because this does have like a lot of attitude and then into the spark, the, you know, the clean. it really delivers the the message of the vocal too i guess of like where yeah. he's kind of in this haze and kind of in this frustrated and just opens you up know, you know yeah just very emotional during the the verses of what what he's spitting and then just everything comes into focus a little bit when he starts uh thinking and sees see, seeing his, his girl, girl you know ever the romantic all right, so the next track on the record is uh, seems to be maybe one of our favorites, which is Even the Losers. Definitely one of my two favorite songs. I want to talk about Because of the Night from Springsteen, though, because this is a track that they referenced as far as like the mix and mm-hmm. just the feel that they kind of were chasing this down or kind of felt like it had a similar feeling. And I'm not super familiar with Springsteen by name for for the category that's for sure I know you don't really care for Springsteen much this is off the promise album I don't not care for I don't I don't I don't I'm I'm cool either way on 
I don't listen to Springsteen much. That's what I'd say. But you respect. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, this makes sense. Yeah, production also wise. also like that the uh, piano starts it. It's like driven by that. Right. Because this is a song that, that Petty wrote himself, right? No, I'm getting that mixed up with uh, my other favorite song. Don't do me like that. So this is Even the Losers, the third track. Another absolute like, yeah, this is going to be on your your greatest hits. Can we talk about this shit, though? The interludes? There's these weird little interludes that are on like a handful of the songs. And listen to how it it just disappears. Let me just go into the song. A very like abstract kind of super abstract. It's super bizarre. I love it. Are you sure this is the song that they based that Springsteen off of? I thought it was "Don't Do Me Like That." It's possible. They started both. I think they both started with piano. Again, folks. The shaker. Uh, you, you can throw this on any summertime beach mix. The barbecue. This is it. And they said they got to the chorus and he hadn't written the lyrics and he just improvised, sort of mumbled this. And he was like, oh, it actually fits super well with everything. And let's do that. I appreciate how much improvisation they sort of embrace in this band. One thing I really dug listening to was how, you know, they, these studio days were long. They were doing like these 12-hour mm-hmm. studio days. But then when they would leave the studio, Jimmy and Tom Petty would just be on the phone for hours when they weren't at the studio talking about the record and the production, you know, just fully immersed into this thing. Like all they were both focusing on was I assume thinking about them this record. We're in relationships. You know, that's that's a possibility, or maybe they weren't in relationships after, yeah. <laughs> and also not really during. So you didn't know this, like I know you knew songs on this album, like these first three tracks for sure. Don't do me like that. Yeah, let's, let's, I only listened to this album once before this, uh, and it was after I watched the three-hour marathon documentary, which I forgot the name of. Well, let's talk about the other big single here, which is Don't Do Me Like That. Yeah, this song, man. So this one, they had, they'd been playing this since like the early 70s. Since the Mud Crush old band. Yeah. yeah. So they passed on it on the first two song, two records of theirs. And then uh, he was going to give it to somebody else. Jay Giles. Yeah, and then Jimmy heard that they were going to give it away. <laughs> The producer and he was like, "Fucking no. kidding me! You're gonna give away a hit?" Yeah, because what Tom said, uh, "Oh, it sounds like this guy." And she was like, "It sounds like a hit." 
lo and behold, they sort of recorded it and then it just fell by the wayside. And then at the end, you know, they, they did a, you know, the classic like record 20 songs, pick, you know, 10 yeah. for the record. And they're trying to find a last song and uh, the engineer assistant who had just been sleeping on the couch in the studio that whole time, you know, living at the studio was like, hey, I like that song a lot. Like, all right. <laughs> Became their first top 10 hit. you're ever with me and you're thinking about putting on music and you're thinking about putting on Tom Petty but you're for some reason second guessing yourself I'll never be upset at you and it's Doesn't pretty much across the, the catalog could be a put funeral it all on. could be a birth it's uh yeah I don't know man there's something about listening to this dude's music that that makes me feel feel something good usually yeah he has such an interesting mouth <laughs> you were talking about that word. It's, it's so interesting. Do you think that? I don't know. I wonder if that's why he gets the sounds he gets out of his mouth too, though. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Because you were also talking about this is by no means a shot, but it does often sound like he's straight. Like you know, yeah. he's really pushing. Yeah, it sounds to like hit the notes. He's, he's a lot of the time, yeah, reaching for certain notes. I think that's what makes it cool. Yeah, and you're speculating that the shape of his mouth is the reason, huh? I don't know, man. Vocal, I mean, making shapes with your no, mouth real. is definitely a part of the delivery. It's real. That's how you manipulate things, you know? So are there, uh, out of the songs that maybe are a little lesser known, mm-hmm. is there a particular track out of that batch of tunes that you that you dig? I thought it was interesting how uh, Century City, to me, really, really reminded me of, like, uh a whiter, more country version of Prince. Like, and I don't mean that as like a worse thing either. It's just sort of like a, a different thing. But like this could, this sounds like something that could have been off of like Dirty Mind by Prince. Yeah, and it does have like the got a little soundtrack vibe too. But yeah, it's got that Southern boogie in it. Yeah. It's just... Man, Mike Campbell, that bluesy guitar playing, and they talk about how, you know, when you find somebody like Mike Campbell, you hold on you, to that mother. You hang on to them, and Tom always understood that, and he held on tight. Yes. Yeah, I could I could see Prince doing a cover of this song. I think one of the other cool things was, uh, or like one of the interesting things was listening to how many takes that they may or may have not done on each track. And then because they were, you know, pretty much every track on the record is, is one take through. You know, they, yeah, they like maybe no did 20 no takes on shit, but uh, uh, they probably they really did more hammered. than 20 takes of certain things, man. They said that. Uh, refugee took him forever yeah <laughs> like they were talking about it like it was days and days like they made it did a you know 100 takes and then there was yeah then there were somewhere don't do me like that they didn't one take yeah 
which is really impressive. That shit's. That song, uh, Century City Two, is also about the uh, the lawsuit, right? Right. The, that was uh, where their lawyer was. Right. Exactly. Which is great. I'd love to write a song about a lawsuit. <laughs> Just a a big fuck you track on a on a huge album. Yeah, man. Also, can we talk about the album artwork? I love I love the album artwork. And the decision, like the font and the the color, I think is yeah it's truly iconic. It's yeah it's it's a. I don't know. It's it's one of those records you like expect to see at the record store. Yeah. I'm pretty into this you tell me track. I think this one has a a really cool attitude on it. Some R&B feel to it. Yeah, I like this one too. So southern. Also Tom Petty, man, known for never really like taking a song beyond 4 minutes. It's usually in that 2 to 3:30 yeah range no I mean one of the underappreciated pop stars listen to that snare drum they said that the snare drum was so loose that he was like playing he was naturally playing behind the beat but it was extra behind the beat because the snare was so loose there was no rebound which is funny fucking petty man fucking petty man (laughs) hey fucking petty man Just them talking about Tom, too, about how he could... Summon he, that shit. Yeah, and whenever he wanted to, if he wanted to, kind of yeah. thing. And I liked the part that he said that it's something that sort of just, you know, moves through you or whatever, and you you don't want to really look it in the eye. Yeah, you don't want to think about it You don't much. really want to, like, know exactly how it works. And I think that that's, that's wise. You just sort of keep letting it happen trusting trusting it you know what i mean and not trying to really dissect it absolutely because that might be you know probably would be when you lose it so this louisiana rain track is another one that has like a, a wild interlude up top just that you know yeah and as far as tunes that i didn't love this one's actually up there just because again it sort of taps into that same like it's just a little too sweet the chord progression it's just like if I heard it at like a campfire, it would, you know, it would make a lot of sense. And that's a great, great song. But I don't know. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I, I hear what you're saying. It's just I, like so. Uh, but this is kind of like far thing. out from the, the whole record, too. This is, yeah. Yeah. But this isn't the whole song. You I know? understand. just this intro that has absolutely nothing to do with with the tune yeah at all i did enjoy listening to him play acoustic and kind of talking about the song itself yeah it's about this 
story he made up about some English guy that they know? It was a, it was an engineer who quote-unquote liked his uppers. Yeah. <laughs> and, and he was just talking about how he envisioned him for this. And I... I respect somebody that can write from other characters' point of view like that. And it seems like mm-hmm. Petty Petty has the ability to do that. True. Because I don't think it's always easy to write right outside of your own perspective or your own personal experience. But yeah, man, this is definitely a very straight ahead yeah it's just like the chord progression is gonna go right back like they where pro- you think it should they could know? probably like play this on a country station and yeah. no one would bat an eye yeah and I don't have anything against country either it's like uh, no I mean this would be quote unquote real country you know this would fit in with like some of that Willie you know or Towns Van Zandt or whatever but yeah just uh, you know um, Dan the Torpedo is a great great record I don't know that it's necessarily like my favorite petty record what would your favorite petty record be Maybe Wildflowers. That one's yeah. really up there. Is that with the Heartbreakers? Yes. Okay. Um, I believe so. Almost positive. Could be wrong. But I feel like one that got like doesn't get talked about enough is probably Highway Companion. And it's one of the later records. It's from 2006. Never heard it. And... Yeah, dude, this song, this record has some great songs. Pretty much like the whole thing is a, is a is very much like a core road trip record, and this album art is really great as well. Yeah, it's tight. But yeah, I feel like this one, this one gets overlooked a bit. When you're a songwriter, you know prolific as Tom Petty a lot of like everything he does is worth listening to right it's like Prince's later shit too a lot of people just like slept on it I've done all this, I is, this is great now it's up But yeah, great shit on this record. And uh, Southern Accents is an album I came to after getting really heavy into the Running Down a Dream documentary. That's what it's called. And it was because of hearing Southern Accents on that, which I think like the live version is, is killer. But this is like a pretty great tune, I think. It's a slower ballad, but just the the lyrics and the the heart in it is is solid. Oh yeah, I remember this one. 
This one taps in a little bit to that same Louisiana blues thing, or rain. Just in the sense that it it feels like a song I'd hear at a karaoke bar, you know? I hear that. That's not a critique. I feel like the the lyrics are deeper, though, Mm -hmm. if you, uh, like, pay attention. No, they are. (laughs) But... Also, I, I like, like live versions of this a lot better yeah. than than the uh, the one on the record. But um, yeah, Southern Accents as a record is is really great as well. But yeah, man, just all they're they're all worth diving into. You might not love every song on every record, but I think that uh, you know you're not often having to skip. No, and even if you want to skip, they're all three to four minutes. You know, like you said, it's like he rarely passes the four-minute mark. And that's uh, that makes it an easy listening experience, you know, even if you're not feeling it. It's like, oh, this is about to be over. Right, right. But great record. I've got this one for sure on the, uh, the old wax. Something you, if you see at the record store, you can... You know, get yourself a used copy usually, and, and you should you should probably have it just because Tom Tom's one of the goats. It's true, it's true. I think I have his self titled. What are you What are you looking up? Oh, uh, I just want I wanted to play it out with a uh, with a deep cut, a Tom Petty deep cut. This is one of my favorite jams. It um, it's from Mud Crutch. I think it's just a Mud Crutch demo too. I don't know if it's ever been. I don't think it's ever really been put out properly it might have been maybe like a 45 that came out okay and uh yeah it's just one of my my favorite tom petty jams i think it's uh it's a fucking it's a classic man so that's what i want to play it out with and i don't know what's coming out after this as far as i dig records we've been doing some chats out here on the on the porch all day and uh there's event stables playlist one too a vince stables chat is coming at you a playlist chat is gonna happen and thackeray Thackeray. so we're getting into some jazz we're getting into some hip-hop and i would imagine the playlist episode is going to be very spread out so much more coming at you every other wednesday here on i dig records and i'll put all the links in the episode notes shout out to distro kid for continuing to support the podcast uh can't say thank you enough to them and i will put the link in the episode notes so that you can uh you can hit that discount that 30 percent off your first year of services it's oh it's already very cheap so you should definitely tap into that if you're not putting your music out on distro kid as an independent artist you're i don't know what you're doing you're probably overpaying for things so this is uh tom petty this is Mud Crutch, you know? This is Mud Crutch doing Depot Street, one of my fucking favorite Tom Petty deep cuts. My cousin, I love you. Love you, cousin. Love Tom Petty. R.I.P., man. R.I.P. to Tom Petty. I live on the west side by the county reservoir. And she lives 